This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. All right, welcome back, Justin. Uh, It's been a little while. We had you on once or twice before, learned about some various cuts and things to do. And that kind of fits into the project you're doing right now with Harvesting Nature um, with uh, a project you guys got going on. So lots of series and and subscribing to the, your your um, email uh, is has been very informative and there's a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff there. So uh, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me back on. Uh, definitely excited to talk about uh, some some cooking as always and uh, eating because uh, I don't know if those you can't see me, but you can you can hear the passion and love for food in my voice. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I think it, it's good, and, and I'm glad you reached out to chat about the topic. And like you mentioned, we sort of like spun up this project of looking on the Wild Fish and Game podcast of like cooking by cuts and specifically how you can use individual cuts more specifically, I guess, when it comes to like recipes and sort of looking at it from a very uh, um, approach and we're we're dealing with a couple of interruptions as that's life that is part of um mm-hmm. this time in the year and i was i'm not gonna lie i was just really annoyed a minute ago my wife's supposed to be home by six i'm trying very hard to be understanding um she didn't get home till 7 15 and it went from okay i can bust out two episodes tonight i'll be good to uh struggling to show up for my own interview (laughs) at seven. So uh, trying to be present as much as possible and understanding is, is, uh, can be difficult sometimes. And, um, we, in order to set things up to be gone for the next, I don't know how many weeks it's, uh, or just gone on and on and off. It's, this is a crucial thing to just take care of life. And it's, it's, 
Yeah. It's going to be, I was just holding my one-year-old a little bit ago and thinking, I know he's not going to want to sit on my lap here in a little bit. It'll be weird after a few years anyway. (laughs) So (laughs) while he's a little baby, I want to hold on to him and I got to cherish these moments. Yeah, absolutely. It's a fine, it's a fine balancing act, man, that comes with it, especially family doing chasing a passion and producing content, you know, editorial video podcast, whatever. Like it's always, it's, it's a good balance. Yeah. I had my wife on last night. I, I had to, uh, she's never listened to a single episode I've done. Uh, she doesn't hunt. <laughs> it was all about, I don't know what my episode title is going to be yet. It's like, uh, staying married during hunting season or something Ooh. like that. Um, and, uh, she came on to just talk about, she rated me how I am now versus 10 years ago when we first were married on setting things up for the season, what she likes and how I can be gone and be okay with it. And, and I'm not even a guy that's gone for, a whole month of September I'm gone with two weeks here and then a few days here, a few days there. So, sure. um, but yeah, that was a great conversation. And, and, uh, yeah. So she, I, I asked her in the end, it's like, why don't you just make me stop doing this? And she, it was nice to hear her say, I would never do that. This is too important to you. This is what you do. It is a healthy, hot, hab, uh, hobby activity. Um, if you were sitting on the couch, uh, watching, sports and that consumed your life in a, in the same way, then yeah, we'd probably have a different conversation, but, uh, so it was, it was a kind of a cool one. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, another cool episode title, Brazen and Bross. Uh, I, I was inspired and thought none of them, I need to talk to Justin about, um, this this uh, little project i was cooking up some ribs the other day and then also some shanks uh, shredded up a whole bunch of shanks for some shredded meat that's some good camp food here coming up and then uh, making tacos out of it and then i was also cooking up some ribs and i had all this leftover stuff so i didn't know what i should be doing with that but first off just with braising techniques um braising is not a term i grew up with i just slow cook Slow cooking mm-hmm. is the term uh, that that I'm used to. So, just what are some of those different methods uh, that we can just wrap our head around versus uh, the tools and things that we're using for for the, this brazing brazing method? So, I, I think when you you when you think about brazing, like you mentioned, the first thing that comes to mind is probably a lot of us grew up with our parents or grandparents with the the crock pot or slow cooker on the countertop and you know various cuts of meat would go into it and some liquid and vegetables or whatever uh that in its basic sense is what braising is and so you've got several different types of braising if you want to go back into like digging the culinary world a little bit you have quick braising uh and i guess it would be slow and fast braising or quick and fast braising whichever one you want to call it but You're going to use the quick braising for like things that are leaner, like birds, uh, vegetables, fish, things like that. And then your, your slower, longer braises are going to be your tough cuts of meat that you need to really get to a good temperature to break down those tendons and collagen and all that stuff to, to come down and be tender. And the basic elements of a braise include like your cut of meat and a liquid And you're using a combination of like a moist and a dry heat to prepare it. Uh, 
the moisture in the braise itself prevents the meat from drying out as you sort of like steam it and it falls apart. Um, traditionally developed in French cooking to cook the less than favorable cuts of meat that the majority of the population would end up eating. Uh, as I mentioned to you earlier, like for wild game, it is probably the number one preparation method uh, that you could ever choose is if you don't know what a cut of meat is, you could throw it into a pot, prepare it braised, and you're generally going to get a good cut. You're going to get a good dish. Um, so I would say that um, outside of that, you've got, as I mentioned, like your slow cookers. Uh, so those are your crock pots where you're essentially controlling the heat and either like a medium temperature or, or sorry, a high temperature or a low temperature. And you're just letting it go for whatever amount of time that you'd prescribed. Um, on the, the other side of it inside the oven, which you hear people use like Dutch ovens. Um, they'll have like those enamel cast iron pots, like the Le Creuset, things like that, that you cook in. Um, or you can do it on the stovetop as well. Um, I've done all of them different ways of braised in the smoker, in the grill. Um, really it doesn't matter what vessel you're using to cook in. It's that technique of like the meat and the liquid and partially submerging it. You're not boiling it but you're, you're simmering it, uh, in that. And there's other elements you can add to it depending on what you want for flavor. Okay. And I am going to add this back to my questions on, so, and I think I know what I mean by it now. I had a note of meat prep. So like if I got a shank, I have, um, some ribs, I have any of those less desirable, let's just say, even though they're not for me, less desirable, um, <laughs> but we'll just call them less desirable. Cause that's what people do. Um, mm -hmm. is there a thing we need to do with that hunk of meat? Like you gotta, you gotta shank and it is like encased, uh, in, in something or the ribs, they, they can tend to have a lot of tallow on their bear, probably a little different than a, than deer. Deer tallow is not great at all. Um, but is there any prep that we need to do to those pieces that helps in that process? I, I would say, so you hit the nail on the head when you said that it, it depends on the type of animal. So like what you're looking at too, is like that hard fat versus that, uh, soft, like visceral fat or any of the, your tendons or your silver skin or anything like that. The, uh, those that soft fat. Um, on most animals, excluding like deer, elk, things like that. You're not going to want that because they end up with that like waxy kind of fat. And that's whenever you taste that sort of fat, it kind of like sticks to you and it's not real yeah. satisfying. No. Bear, on the other hand, the fat's very different. It's it's a different type of fat. It's got a different, um, a different feel, mouthfeel to it. So you could typically be okay leaving that in. Um, but really, you can leave the majority of the stuff on as far as like yeah. tendons and silver skin and stuff. Because what's going to happen is you're going to have all that stuff is going to go basically, uh, it's going to get turned into uh, from collagen to gelatin. So we lump all this stuff up in there uh, in your like tendons and connective tissue and stuff. And so it, what happens is that about at 160 degrees on up to 180 degrees as it's cooking that uh collagen starts to melt and that melts and turns into gelatin mm -hmm. and that's 
that like when you get a dish that's got that real like lip smacking like that like it just feels great when you eat it as well as as odd as that sounds um that's what you're getting you're getting that like really pleasing uh gelatin and when you described to me earlier kind of what was in your braising liquid and you had like those three layers in that middle you have that like kind of jiggly uh bit of gelatin there that's what all that is that's that rendered down connective tissue and you want that it's adding great flavor to your uh to your stocks to your broths and to your braising liquids Hmm. okay um so then what what do you all include in let's just go with a pot um just general whether it's crock pot dutch oven whatever however a method like you said it doesn't really matter so like what are you all including in some of those and, and i know if we're making recipe versus different recipes it's all going to change but let's just say we want to make um a good broth um or, or a yeah let's just start with like a, a good broth and we're going to use some bones we're going to cut those up um and, and how much so let's start with that and then let's start with an actual food product like how much of that liquid you said about cover halfway or so um that's something i've messed with is the liquid level has been sure. something i've messed around with and i'm not sure what the correct or the best way to do that is quite yet um i mean there's probably an exact science to it. The The easiest way is, is that you don't want to fully submerge it. Like I mentioned earlier, you're not going to boil the meat in the liquid. Mm-hmm. You want it to partially be, I generally go about halfway, um, you know, with my liquid. And then it too depends on like how long you're cooking it and, you know, how you're preparing it because you don't want that liquid to dry up. So sometimes you got to go back in and add a little bit more liquid to it, which is okay. Um, that's why I think cooking in a slow cooker is probably super easy if you're going to start braising uh, is, is a way to go because you can set either low or you're high. And it's generally like, well, if I'm going to cook, you know, a two or three pound piece of meat on low, I may be cooking it for eight hours. If I'm cooking it on high, I may be cooking it for four. And really, you're looking for those internal temperatures uh, to reach a certain level. But you can kind of play with that, like, guesstimation, I guess. But keep an eye on the liquid levels probably one of your biggest things but yeah uh, that that halfway is a good good mark so let me clarify one of my questions in that big mess of questions yeah you got to go make a bone broth right now upstairs you got a bunch of hunks of bone what else goes in there oh you mean just walk through the whole process like i can see it all right so let's say i got you know a bunch of bones from uh you know, say we cut all the meat off the front shoulder, maybe off the hind quarter of a, a big mule deer, right? So I've got all these bones now lying here. What I'm the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to rub them down with oil. I'm going to salt and pepper them, and I'm going to put them in the oven. It probably like 350, 400, and I'm going to roast them. And I'm going to roast them until they get nice and golden brown. Because what that is, is that's adding like a cool caramelization, a lot of good flavors uh, coming off of those that I'm going to then put into my stock. And so then I'm just going to take, once I've got those bones ready to go, I'm going to throw them, fill them up with my pot, however big my pot is, uh, as many as I can get in there, the more the merrier. And uh, I generally like to do... Uh, also when I roast in there, you can put onion in there with them. You can put carrots in there. You can put, uh, celery, 
a garlic, uh, any of those like aromatics you can put in there with them. And you can roast those lightly too, because it's going to accentuate the flavor. Or you can just put them straight in the pot and cook them. Um, just fill it up with however much water you're comfortable with holding in that pot. And you're going to just let it go with all those things in there. I typically don't season it with salt or pepper or any of that stuff until the end. Um, that way I can see what the final taste is going to be and kind of like accentuate that flavor profile. But to like uh, thyme, rosemary, bay leaf, uh, any of those stuff you can put in there for like flavorings. How do you how do you know about uh, like the potency of it or the um, how condensed you made it? Um, so like as far as reducing like, it down, or like how I'm trying like the few times I've made it, I ended with a product was like, is this supered watered down, or is this very is this stronger broth? Um, mm. So so how do you know? you have a good consistency there of, and not just a lot of water with a little bit of flavor in it. Um, I, I generally just... will go however much water I have, I'll reduce it by half. And I just okay. plan for that. So if I've, you know, say I've put a gallon or two gallons of water in this big pot, I have a big, huge pot I use. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just let it top off, uh, let it boil down. And reduce down until it's about halfway down from wherever I started. And I know generally by then I've got like a, I've got a good base of flavor. You okay. can let it go further and you can, you know, you get some of these like super concentrated stocks where people have like, they'll put them in like ice cube trays and freeze them. And they'll say like, Oh, I'll take three ice cubes out and I'll add, you know, four cups of water. And that makes my soup base. I don't really, I don't really mess with that. I just make the stock at about half of what I want. And then I just put them in uh, generally Mason jars and put them in the freezer. Yeah. And since you've got that so loaded up with, with bones and whatever else that's in there, then, then, you know, with that water, just half of that water and, and you're going to have a decent product. So oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Very good. Uh, okay. So if we had just some shanks and we're going to have some, make some shredded meat um, that we'll season later, uh, mm-hmm. same process. What do you, what are you throwing in there to later make some shredded meat tacos or pulled whatever, um, that you're going to season later. But the whole point of it right now is just to get it soft and shredded. What do you want to throw into a pot then? Yep. So probably what I'm going to do is that I'm I'm not going to roast the shanks. You can, but, um, I want to, whatever pot I'm using, uh, excluding like a crock pot type deal. I want to sear the shanks in that pot and I want to create that brown bit on the bottom of the pot. It's called fond F O N D. And that's adding a lot of really good flavor and complexity into your meat meat as it's cooking as a whole. So I would sear them off. I would then, uh, take, uh, everything out. And if I had onion or whatever, I would probably cook and do that in there onion garlic like those aromatics i mentioned earlier put those in there too um then i would put either a stock if i had it i would put the stock in there as my liquid to begin the braising put the shanks back in there do that halfway mark Uh, i would either do stock or a prior liquid i had for braising because i will save my braising liquid too 
uh, as well from previous braises if I don't go crazy with the flavors. Um, or if you don't have any, you can just use straight water and basically you're creating this braising liquid now. Um, and then I would just begin the cooking process uh, for it. So generally you're going to bring it up to a simmer and then reduce the heat down um, and cover it and let it continue to cook until you're getting, you know, you're looking for that 160 to 180 temp. But with shanks, it's really easy. Like you can start to play with it with a fork and like, is this shreddable? Is this like where I want? Because you mm-hmm. can certainly have it on the little more chewy, bitey end where you're like chopping it, or you can have it on like the pulled shredded end of where it is. So the key is, is you can't bring that temperature up too high too quickly. It's got to be like a slow, gradual process to get the internal temperature to that meat up. Otherwise, you'll end up with a very tough cut. And with shanks, you've got to make sure it hits that like 160 to 180, and you allow time for that collagen to melt. And I think a lot of people that dislike shanks don't cook them long enough because they're afraid to overcook them. Yeah. I kind of judge it by that ball of – or that meat spread out, and it just like – falls up and starts to separate off of there it's like okay and then the tendons look like a giant loogie and so it's like there we go i think we i think we got it that's what you want good so it sounds like you have maybe a preferred pot for doing this in and it doesn't sound like it is a crock pot um, so I, I have done things i i do do them all different ways uh i do do them in the crock pot Sorry. <laughs> Hold on one second, please. No problem. No, I can't. Pick. There we go. Um. So to to go back to your question, um, so the uh, I've done it different ways. So I I do do things in the crock pot, like if it's a time thing, um, or just it. it it won't work out for me to sort of tend to pot. Like the biggest thing is probably taking like roasts and putting them in the crock pot overnight, knowing that in the morning I'm going to wake up and be able to have my lunch or whatever for work. Um, but if I got time over the weekend, that's a different story. So I do have big stock pots, like, I don't know, four or five gallon stock pots that I, I used to make stock with. And I take, as I break down my animals, all of them that I can, I take and I keep the bones. I just freeze them. It's another section of my freezer that I just have stock bones. And when I run out of stock in the freezer uh, that's already made, that I make, I just go and pull more bones, thaw them out, roast them, create a stock and just refill the jars. Um, But as far as like braising, like shanks and other cuts and stuff like that, I do prefer to do it in like a Dutch oven. Yeah, I think the Dutch oven just adds a lot of. Uh, it's they're good for like, I won't say cast iron is great for distributing heat, but it's good for holding heat and like having some sort of a consistency. Plus, it's just like it feels right. Yeah, to so just do it in the cast <laughs> iron. <laughs> and um, I suppose on that you can create that fond F O N D yep. correct. Yep. Yep. And and that's just essentially a little almost burnt layer, just like your eggs on a crappy pan. Yeah. You're looking for that, so you're getting the protein and stuff that's coming off the meat. You're creating that Maillard reaction. That's what gives you that caramelization on the meat that everybody likes. 
So you get that on the bottom of the pan and whatever brown spices and different bits. And then when you pour your liquid in there, you're doing what's called deglazing that pan. And so that bit that's stuck on the bottom, you take like your wooden spoon or uh, spatula or whatever. Don't I wouldn't use metal, but you like scrape it and kind of free it from the bottom. And that then becomes part of your braising liquid. And that then becomes part of the flavoring for your meat. So um, you definitely in a Dutch oven, you're getting that in its like best form. Yeah. I love little tips like that because it makes you makes you go from like I just made a little food to I know what I'm doing in the kitchen. <laughs> that's a, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's you graduate up uh, from middle school. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, then uh, what about so you, we were getting into a little bit of that timing with this. How, how do you? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know if people really are afraid of going too far with that. Like what is, how do you judge that timing on um, some of the, like your, your stock with your bones versus your, your meat. And I guess maybe that's just temperature wise. Yeah. So stock, stock is going to be a little different. Like you can just like crank the heat and let it roll. I mean, you're going to get it up to a good boil. Totally. You're and then, at the level. Yeah. And then yeah. you can reduce the heat some and then let it just simmer. Um, but you don't have to worry about as much as that heat. I would say more so with your braising of actual cuts of meat, you're going to need to pay attention to your temperature more closely and that time duration. Time, not as much temperature. So generally after like the two to three hour mark, like I'm checking, checking to see like what's the consistency of the meat. Is it pulling apart? I'm going to throw a, a thermometer in there. I will t- tell you i probably said this on the last time i was on but if you don't have a meat thermometer everybody out there get a meat thermometer learn the temps of whatever you like to cook your meat in because temperature especially with wild game because it's so unforgiving from going from something that's like delicious and moist and tasty to like this dry shoe leather in just a matter of like 30 minutes and so if you're not minding that temperature then you're gonna you're gonna risk that but um I have over braised things before to where like, yeah, it's really pull apart and shreddable and delicious, but it just lacks that, like that lip smacking moisture content that I want there. Um, I will say with braising is that if you're concerned that you don't have enough fat in your cut of meat, uh, you can add fat in. So you could add, you know, pork fat, you can add uh, like Bacon is an easy one to hmm. do. If you saute bacon a little bit in the pan before and like leave the chunks in there and like as it braises, you're adding that fat back in. Um, that's pretty, it's a traditional technique. You've got like larding and barding uh, of the meat that adds fat into it. So uh, probably going to mix up the ones. One is essentially like taking the fat and wrapping it around. So you think like bacon wrapped anything or like call fat wrapped anything. Um, and then, uh, larding is where you're like mixing the fat back in. So you may be like weaving it into the actual meat using like a larding needle. Um, so that's, those are some advanced techniques if you're looking for it, but as simple as like putting some, something that, you know, that has fat in there, um, that's not going to be that like bad waxy fat but yeah. putting that in there too that's going to add add to your braising liquid as well oh. so yeah that that makes a lot of sense i 
believe it or not, I didn't grow up really enjoying a a lot of meat. It seemed like it was sorry, mom. It was a little overcooked, or <laughs> um, it, it was like our roasts were dry. You had to dip them in a lot of ketchup <laughs> to get them get them down. <laughs> just that drier. There was a lot of beef, um, and just that dryerness. So drier meat and so you didn't get that lip smacking like you're, yeah. you're saying i think that's a, a good good tip just adding some fat into it i never never even thought about that that's great um yeah just i suppose it's just you got a hunk of i got some fat right in the freezer from some pork fat for the you mix in with your yeah your, your burger um pull out a little bit of that every once in a while or would you use um like some bear grease to that is that a he think? could i mean i don't the fact if it's already rendered out i, I may be cautious of it right. uh like i would probably want it added in so it could kind of render while it's cooking okay that makes sense i guess that that's a whole different question what is the different of that difference of that product something that's rendered out versus that fat and um hmm a good question (laughs) um i think so like rendered out you're going to think more of like a refined oil so like something that's going to be used for high temp like searing cooking or something like that but otherwise if you're mixing it like in in a sausage like think the easiest way i think of like sausage like you're adding moisture to it uh and you're allowing it to cook and it kind of like mixes in so easy way to think about it so you've got We'll, we'll choose whatever oil, uh, grapeseed oil, and you take and you rub your steak with grapeseed oil and you cook it. Is that grapeseed oil going to add moisture to your steak? No, it's mainly there to help with that Maillard reaction to brown those oh, proteins. Sure. sure. But if you're like taking, well, you could say steak or a burger, right? Or if you're taking uh, that unrendered fat and you're mixing it into your burger meat and then you're cooking that burger your burger is becoming more moist because it's like rendering out into the meat that makes sense and i suppose the fat the rendered oil or fat whatever it is is it's just separated from some of the other parts Mm -hmm. you have the crackling pieces and all the that other stuff so you've separated and you only have a small product of it and the other product you went elsewhere Yep. So, uh, well, very good. Um, Bross. So we got a, let's talk about this jar of stuff that we have. Um, and is when you render down your bone broth, is that similar, similarly to that, similar to that gelatin stuff, or is that just pretty liquidy, like your beef chicken broth you buy at the store where it's nice and liquidy filter it or or not you throw it in your mason jar and pull and let it cool down is that pretty liquidy yet i'm assuming so i i typically like so when you look at stocks and broths stocks and broths are almost the same exact thing um really you're looking at cooking time um and stocks typically don't contain salt like i mentioned you added in later kind of as your flavoring yeah um so stocks, you can typically let go for like a long time. Like we mentioned, like reducing it down, getting super concentrated broth can be something that's cooked very quick, that's very light in its flavoring. Um, and I I would say 
on the clarity piece and the filtering, um, I typically do like a double filter on both both broths and stocks. Uh, and what that means, so I may pull everything out that I can with my tongs, and then I may take like a mesh sleeve and put everything through that. So maybe like window screen size, right? And then I've got like a, I've got like a tea filter. So you put loose leaf tea in it, but it's metal uh, and it's got smaller holes. So then I'll pass it through that again. So then you're getting the bulk of everything out. Some people take it steps further and will use coffee filters or they'll use uh, um, cheesecloths or dish towels or whatever to like pull out all that sediment. So they're getting their broth like as clear as possible. There's also ways to use like egg whites to float on the top of it. And like that sediment will cook into the egg white and you scoop the egg white out. Like then you get into like consommes and like very clear liquids versus like we're we're talking pretty rustic stocks here, which you know yeah. contain like the gelatin and and the sediment and all those tasty bits in there. That's all fine. Yeah. Uh, it, it really comes down to personal preference. Yeah. So let's break some of that more rustic stuff down. I did not filter some of my stuff from from cooking up those those ribs and those shanks just kept it and i was in a hurry it's like straight out of the crock pot right into the jar and uh it's in the fridge right now with a layer of solidified grease at the top or fat at the top and then there's that layer of the gelatin stuff and then the thick stuff down at the bottom what can we break down those those different things and what sure so that like your your stuff at the top that like hard fat layer that's going to be like literally what that is that's your fat that's coming off then what kind of animal was it um that one i think i had deer and bear in that same one no no nice no i take that back um that mostly was uh some elk and deer shanks is what that was okay elk and deer so i would probably scoop that bit if it's like white hard fat that, I'd probably scoop that off and get rid of it. Yeah. Um, and really what, what you want to keep out of there is that gelatinous bit. Cause that's your collagen that's rendered down into gelatin now. So that's your, your, uh, sinew, your silver skin, your connective tissue, all that stuff from those shakes. That's like gold. That's what you want. And then that sediment and bottom, that's just like all the bits of, excuse me, all the bits of like little pieces of meat and everything that sort of like come off. That's all stuff. It's fine. Um, yeah. I know several people that will take that and I would classify that as your braising liquid. Um, so yeah. people will take and just continue to use that braising liquid. Um, they'll have like a jar of braising liquid that lives in their freezer or refrigerator or whatever. And next time they braise something, they pull it out and they dump it in there and they're like, Oh, I need a little bit more water, a little bit more stock. So they add to it to bring up the liquid level, but they just continually reusing that. Cause you're just imparting more flavor. So Seasoned cast iron pan. Yeah. You want to think about it that yeah. way. Or a, a sourdough starter. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a, yeah. I, um, well, that's good to know. Because how, and then I, you did put, uh, you said you put it in your freezer. Um, what's mm-hmm. your shelf life in the fridge with, with a jar um, of that stuff? I would say in the fridge, like you've got a couple months or so. Like yeah. out of it, I would probably keep it in the freezer. Uh, then you're gonna extend it a year or two if you if you yeah. wanted to keep using it. But I know guys that have 
been using the same braising liquid for a year, just like in the fridge. So they'll like, yeah, use it, use it, use it, put it back, use it, put it back. So, um, huh. and then if, if I'm, oh, let's see, give me something I'm going to cook up and maybe using that. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, I guess even just a, a recipe I made just a little bit ago, my wife sent me a thing, say, here you go, make this. And it had a little bit of broth in it, just a cup of broth in it. Are you taking just a scoop of that gel gelatin stuff in there and just throwing it in there and letting it cook? Or what's your, what's your methods of utilizing that jar? Of yeah, you, you could 100% do that. So essentially like what you have, in that like gelatin and sedimentary liquid is that you've got like a concentrated stock. Um, so just exactly what you're saying is like, what I would probably do is like take a tablespoon of that and like add into whatever, you know, say a cup or two, if it called for a cup or two of stock, I would take a tablespoon uh, or two, depending on what it called for. Throw that, that in there. concentrated. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, you could use the whole thing. Just to understand that you're going to get like a massive amount of flavor. So, like, <laughs> I I would play with it. Like, it, it's already cooked. So, right. I mean, you could take you could take a tablespoon, put it in a cup of like hot water, and then taste it with a spoon and be like, "Is this is this too much?" And thin it out. Like, you, yeah. you can you can play with it however you'd like. But, um, I, I yeah, I think that's a that's a great approach to it. Yeah, the, it's because I just don't know. You look at blocks of little bouillon cubes, and then you look at that stuff, and you look at some uh, your cardboard things, a uh, stock, and you just like consistency wise, like how 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 uh, um, concentrated is this? So yeah, that's a homemade product that I didn't. Yeah, you just don't know what that is. So it makes a lot of sense. I just like, yeah, personal preference, like give it a taste, you know, like, oh, this isn't too much. Maybe not a tablespoon, maybe start with a teaspoon and work your way up, like whatever you want to do just to to give it a go. Um, and then what was I going to say? Here's a big thing I tell people too with like stocks and broths and even creating concentrates and like using those because people are like, what do you use them for? Like, I'm not going to make, you know, 20 gallons of soup this year, or maybe I am, but I'm like, your your starches right so your rice your potatoes your pasta your you're making sauces with it uh you can do all that stuff like you could take your rice and instead of just using plain water if you're going to serve like an elk you know elk whatever uh cook your rice in elk stock and oh. it's just going to add to the flavor and it's going to balance out the meal hmm hmm that's interesting uh that sounds really good yeah <laughs> instead of you're just gonna you, instead of just some boring old white rice you have some serious flavor to it mm -hmm. um what about gravies you ever made a great my I had a buddy tell me he's like oh yeah this stuff makes the best gravy it's like like um warming I mean, it up and putting some flour in it and a little milk or what yeah i would i would i would typically like go with you know, traditional methods of making gravy with it. You you can make sauce from, from stocks and stuff like that. I forget which, uh, I'm bad on my, like traditional mother sauces on which there's 
there's one definitely made with stock and they all have elements of stock that you can use. Yeah. But as far as like a straight up gravy, um, I would probably, if you're making a white gravy, I probably wouldn't use it because no, no. you're using cream, but like even a brown gravy, like you want those delicious brown bits from like your cooked meat and, you know, uh, the other stuff you're adding in flour and all that, you could add some stock in there too, to give it some good flavors. Um, well, to round out this conversation, I want to know, uh, what do you, it's days away from September. What do you got lined out? Um, for me, uh, it's been an interesting year, uh, already as far as like hunting and things like that. So, uh, I, I drew a September long bear tag, uh, up in Northwest Colorado. So like the Steamboat Springs area, mm -hmm. there's like five units up there that encompass this tag. Um, so I drew it, uh, for rifle and then I picked up an Eastern Plains, Colorado Eastern Plains tag. And then I'll probably do an over the counter Colorado Oak tag. Cause it's my last, uh, my last year in Colorado before we move. And then, um, Looking at trying to go down to Florida for some alligator in either October, I think is probably what it's looking like. So, so we'll be seeing some some alligator recipes, hopefully on hopefully. the newsletter. Hopefully, the, I, I I'm hoping someday I need to dig back into all the hog stuff you guys did in the last year. Oh my gosh, so many hog related things that with your time down in Texas to yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're still doing them. We still have a camp coming up in uh in December. We're gonna be doing another wild pig camp down in Texas. We still got, I think, six spots open. And then this will actually hit the books this weekend. Is that we're gonna be doing a waterfowl camp in Oklahoma. Awesome. Uh, we're partnering with GNH decoys, and we're gonna be doing uh some a camp there in January. And then we're looking at like a for coastal foraging crabbing clamming camp in oregon in the summer which oh man just sounds awesome so yeah where are you headed off to after this year oh uh, i head over to dc uh washington dc so those that don't know like i'm i'm active duty in the military and so uh i got into graduate school uh over in dc so i'm going to go spend a year at grad school there but um our community manager colin gruen just got transferred over there as well so we're gonna explore the east coast uh, and oh, do man. some hunting so it, it it should be hunting and fishing loads of stuff over there so it's, i'm excited yeah yeah, uh, you'll be a mi minority, I'm sure, as a hunter <laughs> in in the in the swamp they call it. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, not but, not the first time. No. Not the first time I'll be that, but that's yeah. gonna be yeah. fun. Well, very good. I'm I'm really excited to try out some of these new techniques. A couple of great um, things here because I, I I definitely know that planning for this starts when we we put our knife to our animal and what goes out with us and what stays uh because some a lot of these things are not legal requirement to take and so i, I mm -hmm. thought we got to hit this quick while people are driving to elk camp or um driving across wherever to to um get excited about those other things and say suck it up put it in the game bag and haul it out because it it'll be be worth it so um i gotta convince a couple of people to do the same i mean i i 
we've got a long pack out if we get something. So uh, I, I'm really looking forward to, to having some, some good stuff, but um, all right, let's plug uh, a harvesting nature and, and um, where we can go to sign up for hog camp or the waterfall camp or any of those great things or any other projects you got going on. You want to share? Yeah, sure. Uh, we, we operate pretty mainly off our website over at harvestingnature.com. Uh, you can also visit our, our website as, or not our website, our social media. Instagram is probably the biggest page we've got, but, uh, you'll see just about everything we're doing there, but, um, everything from wild food focused camps. So if you want to learn how to, to shoot better or butcher better or, or learn how to cook wild pigs or duck or geese or clams and crabs, I guess, coming up, mm-hmm. uh, go there. We also have a full line of uh, wild uh, fishing game spices that we developed uh, that are all tailored specifically towards different types of species, so like big game, small game, upland fowl, waterfowl, uh, wild fish, all that. Phenomenal. Made in the USA, too. So yep. good good stuff. And, uh, yeah, constantly doing articles and recipes just about every day. And then a couple podcasts we run, uh, very food focused. So yeah, that's your lane. Uh, you're welcome to come swim in it with us and get nerd out on some delicious wild food stuff. Yeah. Um, we, we'd love to have you following supporting. Well, awesome. Well, thanks again for your patience on rescheduling three times or so. And, uh, <laughs> both, I'm glad you had a kid issue in our, in the middle of this. Cause I got, <laughs> I had my own. But uh, appreciate it again, and I'll get this out the next week. Um, actually, I'm going to get it scheduled for next week, Tuesday, while I'm out and Sweet. Uh, doing some some elk hunting. So that'll play while we're we're off plan. But um, appreciate it again. Thanks so much, and and uh, we'll talk to you again. Yeah, thanks, man.